Hello, I'm Frank Renton and welcome to this free podcast from frankrentononbrass.com that includes the track of the week from my regular weekly music podcast and a piece of music that both impressed me at the time and has played a significant part in my musical life since. And oddly enough, they share the year 1967 in common. So first, my track of the week, and you'll have to wait to find out what my special piece of music is, but it is worth the wait, I can assure you. In 1967, they launched a brand spanking new lifeboat at Padstow on the north coast of Cornwall, and Malcolm Arnold, who was living in Cornwall at the time, was asked to write a special march for the occasion. He loved Cornwall. He loved the people who had welcomed him and his family into their midst, and he especially loved their brass bands and their traditions. So naturally, the answer was yes. Ever the musical joker, and always looking for an edge, Malcolm had noticed that the Travaux's lighthouse just around the corner from Padstow had a foghorn that varied in pitch between middle C and D, and he determined that it would play a significant part in the march, and it does, although it remains firmly in D, but makes its mark time after time, which is one of the reasons why the march is so popular and played by bands the world over. So track of the week here at frankrentononbrass.com, the Brighouse and Rastrick Band, contacted by David Hurst, play the March Padstow Lifeboat by Malcolm Arnold. Thank you. 
told you that the foghorn played a significant part and typical of Sir Malcolm as he became, he insisted on conducting the first performance at the actual launching. As he said, many of the lifeboat crew were his friends and it was the least that he could do. Then when it was all over, he took the band to the pub. A memorable day in the life of the St Dennis Band and Padstow. And I'll be back in a moment with a piece of music that I think is very special. Frank Renton on Brass is the place that Frank shares his love of music with experts, players, aficionados, but perhaps most of all, people who don't know much about brass but just love the sound they make. As well as this new free-to-access Frank Renton on Brass podcast, we also have a subscription podcast platform. Why not visit frankrentononbrass.com for all the information about our podcasts and to sign up to join us and to have full access to them. In 1967, I was in my first year as a student bandmaster at the Royal Military School of Music, Nella Hall, and conductor of the Guildford Silver Band, who at the national finals were playing in the third section, having won the fourth the previous year. I can't remember what we played, but as soon as we'd finished, I scooted down the road to the Royal Albert Hall and just got in in time to hear the results beautifully intoned by the legendary Frank Phillips, broadcasting the results to the nation on the BBC Light programme. Then to hear the winning band, Black Tie, conducted by Geoffrey Brand, give the traditional replay of the test piece. It was Journey into Freedom by Eric Ball.
Dyke, contacted by Geoffrey Brand with the opening part of Journey into Freedom. I just loved the music and the way that Geoffrey Brand and Black Dyke played it, of course, but I thought that the orchestration was just outstanding and that Eric Ball had made the brass band sound like a real symphonic ensemble. The music started at the beginning and went in one seamless arc to the end, with many changes of mood and emotion, but one discernible thread through it all. I determined that I would perform this music as soon as possible, took it to my Guildford Silver Band, now in the second section, they were only four in those days, and set to work. In those days, when we went to a local competition, we could play in the section we were qualified for, and if we had the temerity, in the open section alongside the top section bands. So we did, and the first time we could, we played Journey into Freedom, and to the consternation of the other top section bands, we won. It was unheard of, but looking back, I'm sure that what made the difference was the music written by Eric Ball, and my love of it and willingness to work at it to get it right. Typically, the second part of the piece is a kind of brutalist march, but incredibly detailed. Years later, I recorded the music with the Grimethorpe Colry Band of 1991, and this is the second part of the music from that recording. <laughs> the slow section, again beautifully constructed by Eric Ball and completely devoid of any false emotion, which for me disfigured some of his earlier works and which I never enjoyed conducting over much because of that. Here I think that he pitches it exactly right and much as I want to play you the Grimethorpe recording, I'm going back to 1967 for the simple reason that the cornet solo is played by my friend Jim Shepherd, considered by many to be one of the greatest cornet players ever. And I'm not going to argue with that, much as I love the way that Alan Morrison shapes the solo on our recording. I think that this is a very forthright expression of emotion by the composer, and that Jim and Geoffrey and Black Dyke get it just right. And if I close my eyes, I can still hear Jim playing in the Royal Albert Hall.
The glorious sound of Jim Shepherd, recorded in 1967, leading us through to the last section, where, in Eric Ball's scheme of things, the human spirit triumphs in joyous glory. The writing is quite stunning. First a glorious, energised section in waltz time, then the final expression of triumph and joy. And I'm returning to the Grimethorpe recording for this final part, because if nothing else... It's my own expression of what I feel about this magnificent piece of original music for brass band that has given me so much joy performing over many years. Final glorious chords of Eric Ball's Journey into Freedom, played by the Grimethorpe Colliery Band, conducted by myself. 
I'm told that the music is no longer sufficiently challenging to be used as a test piece for major competitions, and I would guess that the sparsity of percussion in Eric Ball's scheme of things tells against it. After all, in 1967, percussion wasn't considered necessary for major works for brass band. All I know is that I can't remember when I last heard a performance of Journey into Freedom that was either musically satisfying or technically secure. Perhaps bands don't take it seriously anymore, in which case they're missing something in their musical lives. For this contactor and at times listener, it's still one of the great pieces ever written for the brass band, and I hope that you've enjoyed my appraisal of the music, and I hope that it encourages you to join me as a subscriber on frankrentononbrass.com.